Hello and welcome. We are Restoration Church in beautiful Prescott, Arizona. Thank you for joining us. My name is Nate Huss and I am stoked you are tuning in to our teaching of the week. If you are new, so glad you found us. If you haven't already and would like to learn a little bit more about us, jump over to restorationaz.org. And um, all right, let's grab our Bibles and dive into this week's teaching. I'm not sure how many other Ben Bakers he knows, so that's not saying much, but... Okay, so today, as he said, I'm filling in for Landon on the Love by Jesus series, um, and I'm guessing you can guess what I'm talking about today. It's going to be love, which is very awkward for me, uh, because I tend to be a kind of simple guy who grasps onto things that are easy to understand and tangible, and love is pretty abstract. Um, and hard to grasp. And to make it worse, after last service, my wife said the microphone made it sound like I have a lisp. So I'm preaching on love with a lisp. This is great. Anyway, uh, I'm basically sharing this with you to say that I don't have it all figured out. Uh, It's been kind of a journey with me to try and understand this. And so um, I'm going to see what I can do to try and lay this out in a way that all of us can kind of follow along. I'll be honest, if today all you grasp from this is just thinking about when you leave here how God plays a role in your love of others, I think I'll have met my, uh, what I'm trying to achieve. So many of you who know me know that I like mountain biking, and so I'm going to use that as an analogy for today's les- lesson. Imagine that you've entered a downhill mi- mountain bike race, and you're super excited because the demo guys are going to provide you with a top-of-the-line mountain bike when you get to the top. So you go up there to get your bike, and you find out it's a unicycle. Everybody else is racing on two wheels. While you might be able to race downhill on a unicycle, you're not going to be very competitive. You might not finish the race, and you definitely won't be able to walk right tomorrow. No matter how hard you try, you're just not properly equipped to ride at that competitive level on a unicycle. It's kind of the same thing with love. You can give it your all, But without Christ filling you up, you might as well be on a unicycle. My main point today is going to be that to be loved by Jesus means to be loved perfectly and completely. And to love like Jesus allows you to love perfectly and completely. And love outside of Christ is incomplete. We've been doing this series on love by Jesus. And today I'm going to attempt to share why love outside of Christ is incomplete. I think it's safe to say that love is broken and incomplete in this world. We see this in divorce rates at a staggering rate. We see it in orphaned children, estranged family relationships, and so much more. When Landon first asked me to teach in this series on love, I wasn't sure what I would talk about. Then I started to think, can people who are outside of God, outside of a relationship with God, actually experience real love? In James, it says everything good comes from God. And in today's passage, it says that God is love. So this made me wonder, well, if we know that love is from God and love is good, can people who don't know him experience real love? Just as I'm thinking I'm pretty high and mighty for figuring that out on my own, I started talking to Landon about it, and he's like, yeah, except we're all made in the image of God. And as bearers of that image, we also bear love. So then my next mental journey was, okay, so we have love, 
But to what level? Can a Christian who's tapped into Christ love more or greater than an unbeliever or the world around us? I'm basically saying this, like I said earlier, to tell you that this is a journey I'm on. I don't have it all figured out. I'll probably say some things today that are a little bit off or to stick with the theme of today, incomplete. But let's look at what scripture has to say about it. While I'm reading this passage from 1 John, I'd like for you to listen to the passage and pick out and see if you can see the answers for my three main points today. Where does love come from? He might have a slide for you here a second. What is love? And how do we have complete or perfect love? So listen through this passage and see if you can pick those out. By the way, it's 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed in among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he is in us. He has given assurance to us from his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. And in this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. For we are as he is in the world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. And so the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother, he has seen cannot love God he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother. So after reading this, I started to think, well, if Christians know love and if this passage is true, then how come oftentimes our relationships are just as messed up as the rest of the world? It doesn't really seem like God's love is being perfected in us. Would you say that if you think about it, the church is known for its love? And this isn't always, but in a lot of times, especially in this country, I would say that we aren't. It might be better said that we're known for our hypocrisy sometimes, which is sad. So I think that because we misunderstand love and where it comes from, we say that we love God, but then we measure it by man's standards. I believe this is why we see this happening. I would say to be able to better understand the concept that our ability to love outside of God is incomplete, we need to understand love. Most of us hear love and we think of it as a feeling or an emotion. If love is just a feeling or an emotion, no wonder why when the feeling's gone, we're not in love anymore. 
I was watching a movie once, and I don't really remember what movie it was, but the phrase kind of stuck with me. And one of the guys sees a beautiful girl walk by, and he goes, oh, I think I'm in love. And his friend goes, it's probably just gas. <laughs> so is this what we think of love? It's just a feeling like indigestion. We see love, <clears throat> or, <clears throat> sorry. We see love as something we feel, even though that I think we would agree it's a verb. And when we think of it as something that we do, we think of something we're doing out of our own strength rather than something that's done through us. We also see love as a trap or a pit. We say, I'm in love or I'm falling in love. I realize this is kind of silly, but I think that a lot of times the way we act, that we actually believe that. So let's look at today at some of the common misconceptions about love that paint an incomplete picture. First, love is the same as being nice. To not be nice is to not love. Love is a feeling. Love is a mystical power that traps you and makes you fall in love. Love is accepting of you no matter what. Love does not correct others. Love and anger are opposite. Anger can't be felt because of love. Now these aren't perfect. Some of them have some truth in them. But often we tend to, we tend to cling to those as a misunderstanding understanding of an incomplete picture of love. What if we had the understanding that we are incapable of a complete and perfect love outside of Christ? Just like the mountain bike analogy, if Jesus was our bike dealer, he would give us the bike we needed to succeed. Even the world live, loves out of the image of God, even though it's dim and tarnished. <clears throat> and as Christians, if we're to love better than that, we have to have the love of the Father pouring through us. What if the reason the church doesn't seem to be perfecting in love is because we're relying on our own strength and our, our own misguided understanding of love rather than tapping into the source of agape love and letting it fill us up and pour out to those around us? The word agape is Greek for the perfect love of God. Leon Morris says in his book, Testaments of Love, it is only as we see the spotless son of God crucified, John is saying, that we can see what agape means. When we see man for what he is and the wrath of God for what it is and then the cross for what it is, then and only then do we see love for what it is. So let me try and attempt to break this quote down for you. Man is a sinner deserving of death and separation from a perfect God. Sin is deserving of a just God's wrath and that wrath is poured out on himself on the cross out of love for us. Agape love is not deserved, and it does not need reciprocation. I'll mess that word up three times today, I think. So, <clears throat> When man sinned, which is all of us, we took a stand in rebellion against God. This deserved and demanded his wrath. Otherwise, he wouldn't be a just God. God's wrath is death and separation from him, and separation because he's holy and he can't be in the presence of sin. So God, while being just and holy, was also love. And I didn't say that he had love. He is love. In his perfect love, he took our place, he took our death, and he took our separation. And for the first time in all of eternity, the son was separated from the father and died on the cross in our place, allowing perfect justice, wrath, and love to all exist in that one moment so that love would triumph and be available to us again. 
We didn't deserve it, nor did we earn it. And oftentimes, we don't reciprocate love. But that does not change agape love. So let's dive into the three points that I had today. Where does love come from? What is love? And how do we have complete love? First one is, where does love come from? Love begins and ends with God. Let me tell you another story. I'm a pretty patriotic guy, and I love this country for the good that it represents and opportunity. I believe America is a place where you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps, that you can come here with nothing, and with hard work, you can get to a place where you have the things that you need and want. I would say love is not like that. You can give love your all in your own strength, but without tapping into the source of Christ, you'll fall short. Today, in verses 10 through 12, I'm going to reread this part. It says, love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected in us. This reminds me long ago in my 20s when I was reading Romans 12 and I came across the notion that faith isn't ours. And this kind of blew my mind because early on as a Christian, I thought I had to believe in my own strength to be saved um, and that I had to work in my own strength to get to know God and do things for him. And then I come across this fact that our faith is given us to, to us by God, that he's the author and perfecter of our faith. Well, there goes that idea, right? And then there's the struggle of understanding good works. There's good works that you can do to try and earn your way to faith versus doing good works out of faith because God's done good for you and you want to give that back. These are all subtle nuances that I don't think anybody could see in me, but it's a heart issue. Early on in my faith, I thought these were things that were mine to control or wield only to find out that I was pretty helpless without God's intervention. And I believe that love is also like that, one of those tricky cart-before-the-horse things. We don't really know how to love according to what the scripture says, but that by loving, God remains in us and he perfects his love in us. So let me say that what I'm about to say next can start a great, a good debate amongst many. Even us elders don't really agree on this topic. Um, so I'm kind of prefacing this so you don't throw rotten tomatoes at me. Um, for the way I see it, now I'm going to use it in an explanation for today. I'm okay with the notion that I'm a puppet who's pretty much lifeless until I submit to God as being my marionette. I see it as the hope-filled good news of the gospel, that it's not my load to carry. God's got this. I understand that this is an oversimplification of a topic that not many of us fully agree on as to how much of our walk with God is God's and how much is ours, but I am thankful to whatever level of the walk that's mine, God's faithful with the rest. And we see in this passage today that God is love. I'd like for you guys to sit with that for a second and think about what it means. Not that God is, God has love, but God is love. Because God is love, everything he does is done out of love. To all you men out there, especially because in this sermon today, I say love about 5,000 times, um, it doesn't seem like quite an emoshi or, a mushy or feminine emotion when you think about the fact that God's wrath is done out of his love. 
He destroyed nations out of love for good and for his people. He sent his son to the cross to die for you out of his love for you. And for the women out there, well, we're preaching an entire series on love, so that's all you get. We see love is from God, which only makes sense that if he is love, then he's also the source of love. The passage tells us that Christ is God's display of love to us, and that for those who confess Christ as the Son of God, God will remain in him and perfect his love in us. It says that perfect love drives out fear, because fear involves punishment. And through Christ, our punishment is no more. So again, my main point is that to be loved by Jesus means to be loved perfectly or completely. And to love like Jesus is the ability to love others perfectly or completely. And that love outside of Christ is incomplete. I think it's great that as Christians, we are loved completely. That we can be without fear. That we can love others with a love that only God can give us. This world is filled with fear and you guys have the antidote. You should be excited about the fact that you, li- you can leave this place and change the world with that. The good news of that, though, is that you're not alone. 1 Corinthians says, For as the body is one and has many parts, and all of the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. So the body is not one part, but many. Communion is a symbol of that unity. Today we're going to take communion in the middle of the teaching instead of towards the end. So in a little bit, I'd like to have you guys come up and take the elements for communion. They're up on both sides of the stage and in the back. And then hang on to them until I lead us in uh, communion. Last time during last service, I kind of realized that I didn't didn't see the impact of what communion actually means. And so something I want us to think about is, as we're talking about love and the fact that it's abstract and I don't have it figured out, and some of it's God and some of it's us in our walk, that would kind of show us that there's a struggle, right? And that we have to push and persevere through that. And it's not always easy. Kind of start to make me tear up. One thing that makes me somewhat... uh, easy to cry is knowing another good man who's a strong man and he's seeing him broken and uh, praise be to God for this that last service afterwards one of my good friends in here was broken um, by what he heard today and he's going through a hard time and this allowed me to engage him in that and talk with him about that and we open up together so that now we can move forward more and what I'm trying to say is that in, by taking communion today here together in this room, you're essentially saying, hey, I'm in the same struggle and pit that you're in, and we're here to work these things out together. And not only that, we have Christ to lead us in that. So um, if you would, come take the elements and go back to your seats, and then I'll pray over it, and we can...
It's awkward to stand up here when the praise band's not back there playing the initial communion music and stuff like that. Those of you who have your cups are staring at me like, now what? And the rest of you are just doing your thing. Let me lead us in prayer and then we can partake together. Lord, you made the way for us to be united with you through your son, Jesus. And we proclaim him as our savior. You told us you will remain in us and perfect your love through us. And we ask that you would unite us in a powerful way as your ambassadors to share your love with this world. Thank you for your sacrifice on our behalf. We do this in remembrance of you. Let's go ahead and partake together. So now that we know that love comes from God, and that we are united together in one body to be able to share that love with the world. Let's try and answer the question, what is love? And before we jump into answering this, I'd like you to think about how you define love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 says, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it is not boastful, It is not conceited, it does not act improperly, is not selfish, is not provoked, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. To me, this sounds less like a feeling towards another person and more like a way, like our walk with Jesus. It's action. It's discipline, and it's spread out over your lifetime. What if instead of saying, I love you, we said something from that passage, such as, I believe in you, and I'm willing to be patient and bear all things for you. It occurred to me that love takes time. I believe love comes out of an understanding of the whole picture of life, God's plan, the other person's needs and joys, and time to implement all the things that were just listed in 1 Corinthians. I think this is why God loves perfectly. He fully, perfectly understands the whole picture of everything that's going on and the person. He also is outside of time, so he can love you like he's been with you since the foundation of the earth. Love also takes sacrifice. This may be taking the time to stop and help someone to show the love of Christ to them, to devoting your entire life to a spouse, or laying your life down for others. We are called to love our enemies, pray for those who persecute us, bless those who curse us, and turn the other cheek when assaulted for the name of Jesus. So unlike love as a feeling, or love as something we fall into, love is something we open ourselves to. And not necessarily in the sense of someone else's love to us, but we open ourselves to the love of Christ to be poured through us. How can you love your enemy? Well, if you realize how unworthy you are of God's love for you, it might make it easier to love others who you think are undeserving. Remember, it's agape love flowing through you. 
It doesn't have to be deserved or reciprocated. Again, the main point is to be loved by Jesus means to be loved perfectly or completely. To love like or to love like Jesus is to be able to love perfectly or completely. And love outside of Christ is incomplete. And now for my third point. How do we remain in God and let him perfect and complete his love in us? One of our early church fathers, St. Augustine, wrote, A Christian is mind through which Christ thinks, a heart through which Christ loves, a voice through which Christ speaks, and a hand through which Christ helps. We need to start by recognizing that God loves us. A full cup will overflow. Pray that he will help you to love If a person seems unlovable, you don't have to try and love them harder. Instead, remain in God and love him, and he will take care of the rest. Be open, like the puppet analogy I used, and let God work your strings. Trust that he knows the bigger story and will work all things for his glory. Be willing to take sacrifice. Take time to love. Landon said this many times in this series, from the little things, like allowing somebody to go slow in the fast lane, like they do all the time in Prescott, (laughs) to gathering with somebody over a meal, like most of this church does quite often, or to the big things, like giving up a lot of time to somebody who's going through divorce or cancer or loss of a loved one. Like I did last time, I'd like to share my experience to hopefully show what it looks like to be a broken man, stumbling through life, trusting Jesus some of the time, but not always, and to give him the glory for the good that he's given to me over the years and how he's matured and blessed me. So this story is going to be a little easier this time because my wife won't be sitting right there, but <laughs> see if I can stumble through it. So Cassie and I are coming up on 24 years of marriage. <laughs> Fun stuff. I'm sure there's some people here that could double that, but... Um, And somebody in this congregation, actually at one of the block parties out there, uh, asked me, what's the secret? Like everybody thinks there's some magic secret, right? So kind of joking, but kind of not joking, I told her, choose your suck. And she was like, what? Well, my point in that is that you can either have good and bad days with somebody that you care about and who cares about you, or you can have bad days all by yourself. So I'm not saying that I have love and marriage all figured out. And I'm sure if you asked my wife, she could write a novel on my many flaws. But I would like to think if my wife gave up loving me tomorrow, it wouldn't change the way that I love her. That maybe I would only just try harder. I am devoted to her, and I want what's best for her. I want her to draw closer to God, and I owe her the rest of my life, if nothing more than just the beautiful children she's given me and the station of life she's got me to. And I'll be honest, as our children are leaving our house, it's quite awkward to sit there in silence trying to get to know each other again most nights. But I'll be honest, I'd rather sit in silence with her for the rest of my life than be anywhere else. This has taken a long time to get to this place. I don't think I would have said those same words 24 years ago. It would have been more like, she's really pretty. (laughs) Good thing we're suckered by that sort of thing when we're young, right? But marriage, family, and all relationships have hard times. And the more intimate and real the relationship, the greater the struggles, but also the triumphs. 
Just as God promises to remain in us and us in him, our earthly relationships are no different. Outside of abuse, we have to remain in each other, and that's the commitment and sacrifice of love. You remain through the good and the bad. And remember, the Bible doesn't tell us to buy flowers or chocolates or send love emojis to a person because those are easy to do when things are going good. Instead, it tells us to be patient, be kind, don't envy, don't boast, don't be conceited, don't act improperly, don't be selfish, don't be provoked, and don't keep a record of wrongs. Find no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoice in the truth. Bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and endure all things. This done through you by God will give you the love that lasts and grows towards perfection and completion. Let me close us in prayer. God, I thank you for this body of believers, and I pray that you would empower us to remain in you and to have your love perfected in us. I pray that for each of us in our lives this week, that we would see that come to fruition, that we would see relationships in the past that were hard to love that person. We'd be able to lean into you and see that become something easy and changed. God, I pray that we would go out into the world without fear and that we'd be able to share that with so many who are just completely afraid. That hope that it would just spread like wildfire. God, please allow us to be your ambassadors as we leave this place. Strengthen us in you. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. We hope this teaching was both encouraging and also challenging, um, helping us to just continue to grow in both our trust for Jesus and learning what it means to practice His way. If you'd like to partner with us, first is prayer. I mean, we deeply value the people of God joining us in prayer as we seek His kingdom and hunger for wisdom on how to best lead in the context that Jesus has called us. Um, so if you could be praying for us, that would be massive. The second is serving. If you are looking for a church, family um, to plug into. We would love to connect with you. And the third uh, is through giving. Jesus has been so generous in providing a wonderful space in downtown Prescott, Arizona um, to really be a light for this city and to love its people well. And if you call Restoration Church home again or um, just would like to partner with us financially, you can do that by going to restorationaz.org and click the giving tab in the menu options there. So Thanks again, and in closing, I just want to remind us, Jesus is the only one who is trustworthy always, no matter the moment. So press on as we continue to practice the way of Jesus.